The eternity of Israel is linked to the Torah, and the strength derived from the Word of God has helped and will help the Jewish people outlast its enemies. To this day, Jewish children are introduced to Hebrew letters or to the first words of Torah that they study, with candy given them by their teacher, inspired by the fact that Ezekiel has told us that the Word of God is sweet in our mouths. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 163, The Prophet and the Yiddish Song, Ezekiel versus Jeremiah and Isaiah. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. It is one of the most famous of Yiddish songs, composed by Mark Warshawski. It describes a cheder, a small Jewish school in Eastern Europe, where young boys are cajoled by their rebbe, their teacher, to focus on the Hebrew letters that they are learning. With apologies to my listeners, the song goes something like this. Oifin pripichik prenta fayero, unin stubis heis, underebe leren kleine kinderlach, dehem alif beis. On the fireplace or on the hearth, a fire burns, and in the house it is warm, and the Rebbe teaches tiny children the alif beis, the Hebrew alphabet. The Rebbe is instructing the students how to connect vowels to the letters. And so he continues. Hercha kindelach gedengsha taira vasser lerinto zogsha nochamol un taka nochamol komitz alif o. Listen, children, remember, my dear ones, what you learn here. Say again, truly one more time, komitz alif o. The song is, I think, rightly beloved, as there is profound depth to its seemingly simple lyrics. Lyrics that summarize a great deal of the essence of the Jewish historical experience, and also, in my view, the complex message of Ezekiel's early prophecies. Chapters 2 and 3 give us the sanctification, the election of Ezekiel to prophecy. He is ordered by the Almighty to describe to the Jews of Babel the destruction that will descend on Jerusalem. But God does more than order. Ezekiel is presented with a scroll on which prophecies are inscribed, and he is instructed to eat the scroll, to ingest the very word of God. Chapter 2, verses 7 through 10, and 3, verses 1 through 3. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that which I give thee. And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent unto me, and lo, a scroll was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without. And there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that which thou findest, eat this scroll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this scroll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Here it is worthwhile to compare the beginning of Ezekiel with that of the prophets that have come before. Commentators on Ezekiel note that Isaiah and Jeremiah also give us, toward the beginnings of their books, the election of each to the prophetic destiny but there's a profound difference. The two other prophets, as we have recently seen, protested at their designation. Isaiah, that he and his people were unworthy, and Jeremiah, that he was too young. In response to Isaiah's protestations, the prophet's mouth is purified by a fiery coal. But Ezekiel here does not protest, and what is placed on his mouth is not fire, but rather the letters of God's prophecy. He is not burned by the word of God and instead tastes the rich sweetness of the scroll itself. And so the obvious question is, we know what is contained in this scroll, for Ezekiel has informed us. Lamentations and mourning and woe. 
How then could the scroll taste so sweet? Moreover, the chapters that follow allow us to experience what precise prophecies Ezekiel's election allows him to communicate. The prophet is commanded to perform a striking series of symbolic acts in order to express and even partake in the suffering of the Holy Land. He is told to create an image of a besieged Jerusalem and to lie on his side facing it for 390 days and also to eat a very limited diet the entire time. Bread baked in dung with a small amount of meat and water. Chapter 4, verse 10. And thy meat which thou shalt eat shall be by weight twenty shekels a day. From time to time shalt thou eat it. Thou shalt drink also water by measure the sixth part of a hin. From time to time shalt thou drink. This, we are further informed, is to symbolize the starvation of besieged Jerusalem. Verse 16. Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, behold, I will break the staff of bread in Jerusalem. And they shall eat bread by weight and with care, and they shall drink water by measure and with astonishment, that they may want bread and water and be astonished one with another and consume away for their iniquity. I'm grateful to Dr. Tova Ganzel's book on Ezekiel for its citation of Professor Yehuda Felix, who has done the math and scientific research regarding the nutritional value of the prophet's diet. Here is what Dr. Ganzel gives us from Professor Felix, quote, with regard to drink, the daily ration of a sixth of a hin works out by our calculations to 650 grams of water. This is a very small amount, especially in the hot climate of Babylonia. But for someone who is not moving about, it is enough to survive on. And indeed, Ezekiel was lying down throughout that time. The prophet's daily portion of bread, however, is much smaller. For more than a year, the prophet ate less than 1,000 calories per day. And none of this saved the prophet from the suffering that comes with feeling hungry and thirsty. Lying on one side for 390 days likewise entails discomfort. The prophet certainly identified in body and soul, hungry and thirsty, with the besieged city of Jerusalem, end quote. Most shockingly, in chapter 5, Ezekiel is told to perform an act that is usually forbidden to him by the Torah, to shave his face with a blade and burn his beard in fire. Verse 4, Then take of them again and cast them into the midst of the fire and burn them in the fire, for thereof shall a fire come forth into all the house of Israel. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if we read this in the Maimonidean manner, then what is occurring is taking place in a vision. The question of how literally we are to read Ezekiel's descriptions is an interesting one, but is it immaterial to the substance of what Ezekiel is telling us will occur in the next stage of Jewish history? Besieging, starvation, suffering. The question, then, again, presents itself. If this is what Ezekiel has chosen to prophetically predict, then why does the ingested scroll taste so sweet? The question is made more obvious when we realize the last time we have seen a Megillat Sefer, a scroll, serve as a prophetic symbol. And that is when Jeremiah records his buying of his familial land. There, in contrast, the scroll becomes a contract, serving as an obvious note of hope that Jews would cultivate fields in the Holy Land in the future. Here, however, the scroll predicts destruction. Why does it taste like honey? The answer, it would seem, is that while the real estate contract of Jeremiah embodies faith in the future, at the same time, the actual words of his document are prosaic, whereas the scroll of Ezekiel contains the word of God. That makes it Torah. And Torah, God's message to us, is a source of sanctification and inspiration. Understood this way, Ezekiel's opening symbolizes Jewish history itself. It will contain destructions, but the constant throughout will be Jewish joy in communing with the Almighty through the study of sacred scripture of the prophetic word. And strikingly, these two themes, suffering on the one hand, but joy in God's word on the other, are both emphasized in Eufen Pripichik. 
As the Rebbe urges his children, novices all, to repeat the letters, he informs them of the great privilege involved in the experience. Lerent kinder hotnit moira yeder onheb is schwer glicklich der was hot gelerent teure zidarf der mensch noch mehr. Learn, children, do not have fear. Every beginning is difficult. Fortunate is he who has learned Torah, for does man need more? Thus, what is expressed in this stanza to the children by the Rebbe is that they are intended to imbibe from his passionate pedagogy that these letters are the ultimate source of sweetness, the wellsprings of the most exquisite joy. But the stanza that immediately follows communicates something very, very different about the history that is embodied by those very same Hebrew letters. When, children, you will become older, you will understand on your own how many tears lie in these letters and such profound lament. The letters, in other words, also hold within them exactly what Ezekiel said was within his scroll. Lamentations, mourning, woe. Thus, the Hebrew letters with which these children will ultimately read the Torah, through which these children will ultimately ingest the Word of God, contain both the source of their greatest joy, but also wailings and tears. Eifin Pripachik, in other words, captures the scroll of Ezekiel itself. It describes sufferings past and future, but asserts that at the same time the Word of God remains sweet. And the truth is, that if we go back to the original designation or election of Ezekiel, we discover that built into his description of the scroll is the key to this complexity. For we are informed by the prophets that the scroll was written within and without. This means that it was inscribed on both sides. And the double-sided nature of the scroll, as Rabbi Yigal Ariel points out, hints to us that there are two different themes to Ezekiel's words. And while Rabbi Ariel takes us in a slightly different direction, I would put it this way. The double-sided scroll symbolizes two sides of Jewish history. There will be destruction, but at the same time, there will be the Word of God, and the Torah will continue to serve as the central Jewish source of inspiration. The letters of the history of our people will contain, as Mark Warshawski put it in his lyrics, so many tears and lament, but at the same time, what the Rebbe says in the song will, for Jewish history, remain true. Glicklich der was hat gelernt Torah. Fortunate is he who has the opportunity to study the Word of God, for whom? It will remain sanctifying and sweet. Today, the song Eifin Pripichik has become even more famous and also even more associated with Jewish suffering at the hands of evildoers because it is Eifin Pripichik that we hear sung during one of the most well-known scenes in Steven Spielberg's film Schindler's List, which is the one depicting the Nazis wreaking murder, devastation, and destruction upon the Jews of the Krakow ghetto as Oskar Schindler, watching in the distance from atop his horse, looks on in horror. The scene is known above all for containing the little girl in the red dress, the one bit of color in a black and white film. But for one who knows the song, especially for one who understands it in the original Yiddish, its appearance in the film is powerful for two reasons. First, because Spielberg selected an exquisite version of Ivan Pripichik, sung by children, and also because the movie joins a song that references Jewish suffering with a scene of horrific Jewish suffering at the hands of some of the most evil anti-Semites that ever walked the earth. Upon looking up the discussion of Ivan Pripichik on Wikipedia, I discovered that a variant of Ivan Pripichik was composed in the Kovno Ghetto by Avraham Axelrod, depicting not the warmth of the Cheder room, 
but the fire of the ghetto. Not the kindness of the Rebbe, but the terror that suffuses the scene. The version reads as follows. Beim Ghetto Teurel brennt der Feierl und der Schreck ist groß. Es gehen jedelach von der Bergedelach, von jedem Gist sich schweiß. With the translation, near the ghetto gate a fire burns and the dread is fierce. Jews are coming from the work brigades. From each face, sweat is pouring. This version of Ivan Pripichek, as well as the scene in Schindler's List, allows us to experience the suffering to which the Rebbe refers in the original Ivan Pripichek, reifying it for us all. But traditional Judaism believes that the Rebbe's other message to the children is also true. The eternity of Israel is linked to the Torah, and the strength derived from the Word of God has helped and will help the Jewish people outlast its enemies. To this day, Jewish children are introduced to Hebrew letters or to the first words of Torah that they study, with candy given them by their teacher, inspired by the fact that Ezekiel has told us that the Word of God is sweet in our mouths. The song Eifin Pripichik itself concludes with the Rebbe hinting to his students of the trials that are yet to come, yet he urges them, despite all that he has said, to continue to be inspired by the Torah they will learn. He says, When you children, through the ongoing exile, become utterly exhausted, you should draw strength from these letters. Continue to look within them. No English translation can capture the poignant power of these few lines. And so it is with the Yiddish that we conclude. Azir vet kinder, dem golos schleppen, ois gemutschet sein. Zolt ihr fundi ois jes koyach schleppen, kukt in zei arain. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.